Well, good morning uh, and welcome to this day's, this week's sermon at St. Columns. Uh, I'm wearing two hats today. I'm coming here as the Overseas Council Australia Victorian Director uh, and I'm also here as the Acting Vicar at St. Columns. Um, those of you who are members of St. Columns may be aware that St. Columns has been a partner with Overseas Council for many, many years uh, and it's great to have that partnership and that support in what we do and I'll get onto that a bit later in the year. Uh, in the sermon. Well, one of the most pervasive images of our time is the issue image of someone doing a selfie of themselves. Uh, it's kind of just so constant and so standard. It's, as I've said, a defining image. It's kind of interesting to note that way back in 1975, uh, Kodak, who were, as you, if you're older, <laughs> will remember, uh, were one of the big companies that produced photographs and cameras and produced a whole lot of stuff in that space to develop the first digital camera. Uh, but they chose not to employ uh, to develop it because they didn't think there'd be a future in it. Well, as we know, the rest is history because uh, Kodak, I'm not sure if it still exists, but it certainly isn't what it used to be. One wonders what those Kodak executives would be thinking of our world today. Uh, because we live in a situation where, as I've said, it's kind of one of the defining images. Uh, today, uh, well, today I'm wearing, as I've said, two hats, and we're going to be thinking about the sort of disruption that we've all lived through in the last two years and its impact and its implications for both the church uh, as well as the work of Overseas Council in theological education in the developing world. As we all know, we live in an era of continuous change, and so many aspects of our lives uh, have changed rapidly over the past decade. Uh, I was the locum at St Edward's Blackburn South for part of last year, and Mike Flynn's currently the locum at St Edward's Blackburn South, a lovely group of people. But one of the interesting things that was kind of uh, going on at St Edward's, there were half the congregation, because they're mainly elderly, had never, ever entered into the digital age. So half the church couldn't participate in Zoom gatherings didn't listen to digital things and we were producing printed resources for them and having it delivered uh, because that was the nature of the group. They'd never kind of taken on board most of the things that have become standard for all of us in terms of how we live in our, our, our lives. We live in an era when the buzzwords are adaptability and being agile. And that's because we live in an era when the technology keeps changing how we live and do things and it's changing constantly. So today we're thinking about what that may mean for us as a faith community, but as well as that for the mission of the church globally. Peter Corney in his little book, Change and the Church, put it this way. Change and adaptation are necessary to life and growth. Without constructive and healthy change, we stagnate or remain stunted as individuals. We can all reflect on changes we have made in our lives that were vital to our growth and development as a person. Growth come, can come in a variety of ways, such as learning new skills, changing jobs, or overcoming a fear or a feeling of inadequacy, and making new friends. Our biblical mission was established way back with God's call to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 to 3. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and who curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is generally understood as a threefold Abrahamic blessing. To be blessed with land and to become a great nation. 
to be blessed with many offspring and to become a great people and to be a source of great blessing to others. It's threefold. Uh, and God called one man and one his wife to be the beginning of the fulfilling of this remarkable promise. He went on to become the father of a great nation. And that vision continues for us today, thousands of years later, as we seek to express what it means for us to be a part of God's earthly family. Through Jesus' sacrificial work, we have been included in God's household, and we've been invited to share in the family business of serving God in all of our lives. We're privileged to live at a time when there have never been more Christians living in the world at the same time, roughly 2.1 billion of them. And we can see that the fulfilling of that promise before our very eyes in a literal way that even Abraham would not have had any conception of. Uh, in 2017, I had the privilege of attending the, an EFAC international meeting in Nairobi, Kenya. And while we were there, we went as guests to CMS Africa to the opening of their brand new semi-commercial office complex. It ended up being one of those kind of mind-shaping, profound experiences. On the site where CMS House used to exist in Nairobi, where 200 or so years ago, white missionaries came from England and Australia and other places to go out and do mission and to spread the gospel in Africa, a brand new eight-storey eight building had been built, which had a commercial dimension to it. Uh, CMS Africa has African leadership. It's got, and this was an African initiative funded with African funds. <laughs> uh, and the interesting thing was that CMS Africa uh, is now coordinating uh, CMS's work in Africa in partnership with CMS UK, but as well as with local leadership. Uh, and they're sending missionaries to other parts of Africa, but as well as that, uh, back to England themselves. You'd have to think that's pretty uh, amazing, don't you? Uh, that 200 plus years down, the whole idea of going to Africa to do mission has kind of been reversed and people in Africa are sending people to other parts to do mission. I think it's an exciting story. The important point for us today is that Israel was to be blessed greatly by, by God, but that was only so that they would be a very great blessing to others. They were blessed to be a blessing and all the nations on earth were to be blessed through them. Israel was never meant to be an exclusive community that excluded all others but, others, but to be a community that was so blessed that the blessings flowed over in abundance to many others. In fact, all people will be blessed by you. And Jesus, I think, captured this beautifully in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, where he said, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Mother Teresa once said, if you can't do great things, do little things with great love. And if you can't do them with great love, do them with little love. And if you can't do them with little love, do them anyway. Love grows when people serve. This means every church needs to be involved in seeking to play their part in being a blessing in their community. We don't exist for our own sake, but for the sake of others. It was Archbishop William Temple who famously said the church is the only society that exists for the benefit of its non-members. I think this has two dimensions. Seeking to be involved in our local community and being involved in the business of sharing the gospel, serving the community practically, uh, and seeking to transform people's lives and our community through the love of God and the love of God's people. I think for St Columns, uh, in a more obvious sense, this is seen in and through the sports ministry, which is a fairly remarkable 
ministry when it's able to physically happen, uh, which will happen again shortly, uh, because a whole pile of people come onto the site. They're in connection with Christian leadership. Uh, they hear people pray, and from time to time they hear people speak. A number of them have gone on to do Alpha, and it's an incredible connection point into your community. So there's that stuff that we do together, but as well as that, it's actively supporting each other to be God's people and to serve and witness in all the dimensions of our lives and the places where we live and move and have our being. In our families, in our workplaces, in our school, universities, colleges, the people that we recreate or play sport with, the arts and areas of interest. All of us are sharing in God's mission in all of our lives because mission happens both when we're gathered as well as when we're scattered. So what about innovation in us and what about innovation and Overseas Council Australia? Now, some would suggest that in the era that we're in, it's not just about continuous improvement and it's not about working just a bit harder, harder or smarter. It's not simply being an early adopter and it's not possible to innovate without taking some risks. When digital disruption is occurring, none of those things are going to make much difference. Just think of all the companies that existed even a decade ago that aren't there today. Well, if you're the leader of a church or organisation or a business, you tend to think that all the ideas have to come from you. Isn't that what you're there for? Leaders have an important part to play, surely, but that will be the leader of a problem-solving team, to be the curator of innovations that other people are coming up with, to facilitate change and not expect to do, to do it all ourselves. That means that those of us who are in paid ministry are here to identify, to equip, and to release others into leadership. We have a part to play, obviously, and it's in pulling teams together and in supporting them to get on with it. This challenge of innovation is a tricky one for us, I think, in the church. Will we stop preaching and sharing in God's word together? Will we stop sharing in the sacraments? Will we stop singing God's praises? Will we stop meeting in groups to read God's word, to pray for each other and to support each other in our witness in the world? Will we stop running activities for families and their children, for youth and young adults and other groups? The answer ought to be a resounding no, but the way we do it may have to keep evolving and changing. If someone had said, had said in February 2020 that we'd be gathering like this on a Sunday, we would have been, and that we would have been doing this for many, many months over the previous two years, the next two years, uh, I think they would have thought we were mad. In our day and in our context, we've had to keep being lateral if, in order to connect both personally, uh, but as well as that, in order to uh, sustain the life and work of God's church. Now, before I focus on Overseas Council, I just want to touch on four areas. And frankly, there's many other things I could say, but um, these are just four touch points. Firstly, youth ministry. Uh, it strikes me that most churches that have a youth ministry, and sadly there are a lot of churches who don't, um, need to actually think laterally about how they do youth ministry, and we genuinely need something, some innovation to emerge. Uh, even the healthy, stronger churches that have seemingly healthy youth ministries are primarily only having ministries with kids from church families. There may be a few kids who come from the local community, but these days that's increasingly rare. So if we are going to actually share the gospel with the young people growing up in our communities, something innovative needs to emerge. Uh, and that's certainly been the history of the church in the past several hundred years when different innovations emerged in different times uh, and they became a means by which many, many people were reached. And I think we're at that point with young people today in particular. 
particularly cross-cultural ministry. The people most likely to come to faith today aren't people who look like you and me, but people who come from a different cultural background who've come to live amongst us. Uh, and there are huge opportunities in a community like Hawthorne and lots of other places to connect with people from ethnic communities because those people are often asking about faith, whereas many people who come from an Anglo background are swim seemingly totally uninterested. Thirdly, doing good. Jesus did say that we need to let people see our good deeds as we let our light shine. And I think every church needs to be contemplating creating a basis for coordinating and initiating acts of doing good in our community. Now, undoubtedly, at a church like St. Columns, there's already things happening in that space, but I think there's more that could be done. Uh, and uh, when I was at the church up the road that I'm not allowed to mention, we created a thing called St. Hilary's Hope to be a means whereby we could actually coordinate and initiate action to actually be a means of doing good in our community. And other churches around Melbourne have adopted that model. And fourthly, baby boomers. What an incredible opportunity exists at present as more and more people who are grey-haired like myself are moving to retirement uh, and are being blessed with living longer lives. And these people, if they're like me, want to be involved in something useful and significant. Uh, they don't need to be paid because they've got a secure financial future because of the plans that they've made and they want to be a part of something for the sake of God's kingdom. And there are lots of baby boomers floating around in lots of churches who are looking for opportunities. And I think we have a workforce that needs to be released and mobilised. And that could connect with the one I mentioned before about community care and community involvement. Well, they're just a few thoughts in that space. Well, we're called to be a blessing to many others, both personally and as a community. And as we are a blessing, blessed to be a blessing to others to let light shine so people see the good deeds of God's people and give God the glory that he deserves. The Overseas Council Australia has been around about 40 years uh, and your church, as I've said earlier, has partnered with them for many years. Our mission is pretty simple. We just do one thing. We seek to support the development of theological education in the majority world. And we do this primarily in Africa, Asia, both South, West and North, the Pacific, and the Middle East. There are equivalent over EC's councils in the United States, in Canada, New Zealand and Germany, and there are some new entities emerging in the Netherlands, England uh, and some of the Scandinavian contexts. Each of these entities are working through a process to consider a new name and a much higher level of collaboration. Now in supporting theological education we are seeking to play our part to assist local colleges to be stronger and more effective in their context. These stronger colleges then in turn assist their affiliate colleges and that therefore means they impact the whole nation through uh, their collaborative actions. We're committed to contextualised training and to people being able to stay in their context to upgrade their qualifications rather than going off to the West as traditionally happened to minister, to be trained and to learn and to do PhDs, etc. Uh, and then going back to minister and to lead and to teach in a non-Western context. Uh, our partnerships may be scholarships for students or faculty. It may be training, it may be technology, it might be practical facilities. These colleges are training leaders to be sent out to minister and to do mission in their context, and then they inspire God's people to be a blessing where they are. 
In 2020, as the pandemic hit, suddenly every theological ecology in the developing world uh, had to go online overnight because the colleges were shut physically by their governments. And we put in a place a thing called shoulder to shoulder. We wanted to stand shoulder to shoulder with our partner colleges as they faced this huge challenge and crisis. And flowing out of that, we realised that this wasn't just a bit of a blip uh, when the pandemic and that when the pandemic passed, things would just go back to normal, that this was actually a radical shift. And therefore, the shift would be to colleges would go from being continuing to be on-campus colleges where people came and studied and learnt and lived and uh, did their theological education in the sort of standard way it's been for many decades, but as well as that, to embracing an online program as well. We were keen that this didn't end up being a new form of Western imperialism, because at present you can access some of the best theological education in the world from the West virtually for nothing. Uh, and that would be an incredibly big temptation. But training people to minister in Nairobi by people who are ministering in Boston probably doesn't, may have some connections, lots of connections, but it may not be the best model uh, for how to develop ministry and mission in Nairobi, etc., etc. This coming week, we will launch local online. Uh, and that's the week after next, rather. And uh, you can get more information on that, and that'll be on our website. We've received a sizable grant to play a key role in supporting colleges in the developing world to substantially upgrade their technology and their capacity and the quality of their online offerings. This will mean that colleges can significantly increase their impact and play a key role in growing the church and its leaders. This, in fact, is a once-in-a-generation opportunity. Now, as an example of kind of what all this looks like practically, uh, last year I was involved in a little project whereby a mission group that came out of Denmark, but now have their offices in London, and who were funded by an Australian bus company who channel a percentage of their profits into this mission endeavour. And they produce digital discipleship resources for people who only have a smartphone. They don't have a laptop, uh, they've never had a desktop, and they're never likely to. These are people who live in remote locations, uh, and but do have phones and do have access to the internet. Uh, so these digital resources are being developed so they can be used on the WhatsApp platform. Uh, and it's taking resources to millions of people who would previously never have had access to anything. Pretty remarkable, don't you think? And in fact, the little project I was involved in was in getting some Australian missionaries who'd lived in the Congo and other parts of West Africa to translate uh, some resources uh, for local bishops to share in relation to being COVID safe so that they could then be filmed and uploaded and people could use them in their local churches all over West Africa, uh, in their local language, using their, their handheld devices uh, and using WhatsApp. It cost virtually nothing, but it was having an incredible impact. Well, we do live in challenging times with great opportunities. We've been greatly blessed in order to be a blessing. And all of us personally in every church needs to wrestle, well, what does that mean for me personally? How can I be a blessing to others as I've been greatly blessed by God himself? Jesus exhorted us, in the, he said, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.